Hey, it's Amanda. Quick question for you. What kind of deodorant do you use? My absolute favorite non-toxic deodorant is the Blue Tansy deodorant from Primally Pure. I gift it to all of my clients and I've gotten both of my sisters hooked on it. And I hear the same thing from everyone. Oh my gosh, it actually works and doesn't irritate my skin. I've tried at least 15 non-toxic deodorants and while some of them definitely work better than others, none of them compare to Primally Pure, especially the Blue Tansy one. Not only do they avoid harmful ingredients like aluminum, fragrance, and different hormone disruptors, but it won't irritate your skin and it lasts all day. You can grab your own at PrimallyPure.com and make sure you use the code BBP to get 10% off your first order. everyone, it's Kim, and with me today I have Alina Brown. Alina is the CEO of Wellness Con, an annual outdoor wellness conference dedicated to promoting diversity in the wellness space while fostering community for wellness lovers, wellness influencers, and conscious companies. She is also a nutritional therapy practitioner who spends most of her days creating video content for her wellness YouTube channel called Alina Alive, where she helps her 21,000 subscribers take practical steps to deepen their wellness journeys. Alina truly believes that just as nature works synergistically to foster diverse rainforests and deep sea life, we as humans can best thrive and achieve optimal health synergistically through working together. Welcome, Alina. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so excited to talk about all of these things. I love your philosophy. I love that you are trying to foster community because I think that that's something that maybe we know is important, but I just don't think there's enough focus on it. Um, especially, you know, everyone's kind of working on their own wellness path. I think we kind of tend to get wrapped up in what we're doing for ourselves. There's a big focus on self-care and setting boundaries and saying no and doing what you need to do for you. But there is that like other aspect of connecting with other people and and thriving in that community aspect. So I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about it as well. Absolutely. So I, love, oh, I just wanted to say also, I absolutely love what you're doing, um, specifically on Instagram, working with women and oh, the community that you're also building with your group program, which is just so needed and just really awesome. So yeah. Thank you so <laughs> much. I really, that means a lot to me because yeah, it's, it's again, like I love working one-on-one -on -one with women, but I think that, you know, there does, there does need to be a broader conversation. I love the fact that like other women, I, every time I've ever worked in a group with women, it's just, it's like magical. People feed off of each other and they learn from each other and they support each other where the one-on-one -on -one stuff is great. And I will always continue to do it, but there's just something special about creating community and especially amongst women. I think it's really powerful. 100%. Absolutely. There's, I'm sure we'll dive into it. Ab totally. But, you know, in our country also, the general culture isn't as focused on health and wellness and it's growing totally. But um, being able to be around people who have that like-minded perspective of things and want to improve themselves in certain ways or are working towards something similar, it can feel, you can just feel a lot less alone, mm -hmm. like starting there. And then, yeah, absolutely. We can learn from one another. A hundred percent. We're going to dive into that today for sure. But I want to start with some icebreakers. Yeah. Um, so we have three. So the first one is uh, I want to know what your favorite self-care activity is. Oh, my absolute favorite. Um, I, I think my, I have to say my favorite is when I get to talk to my friends, like, and when we get to have conversations where we vent, but we also affirm one another and, you know, having a friend and even going to therapy too, but that social aspect of it for sure. Um, being able to also process things verbally and kind of like contextualize it and having to explain it to another person can also help me kind of connect dots sometimes. So definitely um, conversation, things like that. And I love my essential oils. Like I just love diffusing them and having the nice smells in the room. Like it really gets me into like a different state of mind. Like, okay, it's time to relax now. Like <laughs> it's so yeah. true how powerful they are. And I love that. I love that you're, you love your, your self care is, is not just 
something you do on your, you know, on your own. It's with other people. And I, I agree with you. Sometimes that's why I like journaling. But again, same, same idea is like getting, sometimes getting your thoughts out and hearing them and seeing mm. them and especially getting to bounce them off somebody else makes you feel heard, makes you feel validated, but also helps you get like a new perspective on something that maybe you were stuck on or, you know, frustrated with. I think that that's really important. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. That's such a good point. Journaling. Oh, it's, it's, it's so awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> might coincide with that, but maybe not. Um, what's an aspect of your daily routine that you look forward to doing every day? Oh, besides coffee, um, <laughs> um, an aspect of my daily routine. Mm, I like, I like the feeling that I get after I work out. Um, sometimes I'm not able to work out every day, but in the mornings after I work out, I always feel more energized throughout the day. That's one thing. Um, but it's like the moments after the workout where my body is kind of settling mm. and like, I'm able to just like have this weird moment of like, just silence, like, woo. And it feels good. Cause it's like, I just did something that I know it's good for me. Um, so I like that moment right after, um, but yeah, I have to think about that one. <laughs> That's okay. We can always come back to if you think of something, but I agree with you. Exercise and what type of movement is your, you know, preferred method if you have one? Um, I, I really like yoga, Pilates, um, just general, I like going to classes. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, it's so weird. I, I hadn't realized how much community how much so how much aspect of community in my personal life i appreciate things but i really like going to um classes because i like the psychological impact of being like okay everybody's here for an hour so i'm gonna stay for an hour yeah. um, and and so like um but yeah i just I, I like to go to the yoga and in those types of classes because it's like the cardio i enjoy it but um i just like that movement and i'm able to kind of chill out while i'm still working on my body yeah i agree with you <laughs> Last question. What's one thing that you love about your body? Oh, you know, this is like when I was younger, I had like many American girls. I had a lot of body issues because self-image is like number one if you're a female in the U.S. Um, and I just really did not like how I was just built a little bit more thick than the average person. Um, and specifically my thighs because I'm Cuban and Caribbean and just like, you know, the proportions of things are like that. But now when I walk up hills and I like go upstairs, I feel very equipped to do that. <laughs> and I think it's because of my legs. So um, I appreciate them a lot more. Like I'm more likely to be intentional and be like thank you for existing and being strong <laughs> awesome i like that it's it's so powerful to take something that you know you maybe don't like about your body because everybody has something but flip it like why don't you why don't you like that aspect and flip like can you find something positive from it and again like i think that comes with age and just learning about your body too like it's easy when you're younger like i don't like this thing i don't like that and then as you get older you're like oh i see the purpose of that or i you know yeah. i realized that i was built like that for a reason and i you know that's who i am and i can't change it and it's it's powerful to learn to like accept that and find something positive in it Oh, totally. Absolutely. I, um, I, rem I forget, I was talking to somebody about it, that whole concept of like, I mean, maybe you've seen quotes on Instagram and people mention it, like you are the number one person you talk to. So be nice to yourself. And they were kind of like talking about like how we think about our body parts and how like, you know, the intentions that you put into things. And I always like remembered that I'm like, dang, like I should say thank you to my hands and my legs because you know, it's all a gift you know, so, but you're absolutely right. It's, um, again, we're, we're very immersed and growing out of, um, a culture where image is so important. So, you know, everybody's path of self-acceptance is different and, you know, there's a lot that we deal with. So, you know, it's not super easy for everyone for sure. And it wasn't for me, but yeah, having that conscious, um, being conscious about it and, you know, focusing on how can I make myself feel good regardless of what else is going on um, can help with that transition yeah, for sure. That's crucial. Absolutely. Awesome. I love your answers to all of those. Um, I want to dive in, but first let's chat about your background because I want to know a little bit more about you. And you know, we've connected through Instagram, which is again, an amazing place of community on top of so many other things. But um, yeah, want to know a little bit more about you and your background and what brought you to be doing everything you're doing right now. Oh, totally. Um, 
I, let's see, I will, in general, I've always been a very curious person, like from a very young age, I love just learning new things, like weird facts about the world and then telling my friends about them and being like, guess what? Did you hear this? You know, like even from like junior high and high school and then going into college, I studied psychology and that's when I first started watching documentaries and learning about our U.S. medical system. And that was like my first sort of like touch with reality outside of my like bubble of high school and like focusing on myself and my friends and just looking out into the world and, and seeing like, wow, there is so much work we have to do. Just learning about um, the U.S. medical system and how it's for profit and how there's a lot of um, biased um, and conflict of interest within the medical system because of that ripple effect um, and how, you know, a lot of doctors in conventional medicine, while they're all so well-intentioned. They all, a vast majority of them, they go into it because they want to help people. They go into a medical, um, you know, medical school where they only take one class in nutrition. They don't take classes learning about preventative care and the impact of education. And, um, and that results in the average American having just around maybe 10 minutes with the average doctor. Um, and then these astronomical prices, like you can literally go into debt if you have to take an ambulance sometimes. And um, basically looking at all that and just thinking that was crazy, looking at my family, caring about their health, caring about mine, that was kind of like this, in my mind, this like treasure trove of fascinating information that was fascinating, but also very troubling. And so um, that kind of led me on this path of like doing more research into what are other countries doing? You know, like, you know, it's like there's all, all these documentaries about how flawed we are, like what's going on everywhere else. And that's when I learned that um, there are countries that have a fraction of the money that we spend or that spend a fraction of the money that we spend in the U.S. Um, and they have a, a, such a small percentage relative to us of death rates that are preventable. So for example, from stroke, from heart disease, from diabetes, and the difference, a, a huge characteristic, dif characteristic difference between them is that they focus on preventative medicine. Um, and I was like, what's that? Like, that sounds interesting. And I learned that the foundation of most preventative medicine is education. And I started learning that, you know, the U.S., we, um, we do have a lot of health issues and we do have a lot of problems um, with uh, the general health in our country, but it's not a reflection of our intelligence. I think it's more of an, a reflection of our lack of education and outreach and empowerment that there can be with creating community groups and creating classes um, and free resources, maybe at parks and local places. Um, and so that just really fascinated me. And so I, I realized that when it comes to medicine, and when it comes to the foundations of preventative medicine, nutrition is everything. And I know you know this, you're a fellow NTP, like, you know, just how incredibly empowering it can be to learn that we can actually have a role in what feels like, oh, it's just genetics. It's just genes, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm kind of doomed, not doomed, but you know, like, why should I try kind of and having that defeatist perspective and learning like, no, there's actually really cool things you can do that you might enjoy, um, whether it's lifestyle habits or changing your nutrition. And obviously it's not easy, but it's a step in the right direction. So, um, so yeah, so I started getting into nutrition, started studying that. Um, and then uh, while I was studying that in school for my bachelor's degree, I met Danielle Della Valley, who is a nutritional therapy practitioner. And she has a podcast and she wrote this awesome book and she has, she had, um, I noticed that she had this very impactful presence online, but it was very intentional and focused on empowering women. Um, very similar to what you do, which is so important, man. Like it's so important. Um, and there's so many ripple effects that are done with that. And just like with her, the ripple effect that she had just by being her awesome self was that I was like, what is a nutritional therapy practitioner? Like, what does that mean? And that kind of led me on the path of learning about the program and um, this intensive program that really focuses on the holistic aspects of nutrition, pulling from different um, traditional practices as well, looking at the, and focusing on the power that our body has to heal itself when we give it the right tools. Um, and just looking at the physiological processes of digestion and not just being like, a health coach, but really looking at how's your liver doing? How's your gallbladder doing? Like, let's look at all aspects of your digestion and how you respond to, your, to the body. And I just thought that was so awesome. So um, fast forward, 
I was in my bachelor's and then I decided to go into that as well. I was like, man, let me just like dive into this. And that's when, um, I, I'm, I'm also kind of like glossing over when I started YouTube, but I also started YouTube. I want to say my sophomore year in college. And that's when I, cause I was learning all this stuff and I was like, man, I really want to share this with people. Like this would be awesome. And I truly feel like my foundational sort of like skill set is communication and education. I'm talking like for a long time, so I feel like, (laughs) um, but, but yeah, so basically, um, I started YouTube and I feel like through YouTube, I got more connected with the online community of health and wellness. And I was able to connect with like-minded friends, like-minded women of color as well, who, um, have their own platforms. Um, I have friends who are bloggers who run podcasts and YouTube, YouTube, and also just Instagram. And it, it was just so cool to see um, their perspective of things. And that kind of led me to have the idea of Wellness Con, um, which is, like you mentioned, it's a two-day outdoor conference that is um, focused on both wellness influencers and professionals and wellness lovers. And that whole, that whole, um, the whole structure of it is really designed to from a holistic perspective, empower people who want to dive deeper into nutrition, learn a little bit about what herbalism is. You know, there's a lot of people who are into wellness and have heard of Ayurvedic practitioners maybe and heard about functional medicine, but they haven't been able to sit and talk to one face to face and hear what they have to say about our menstrual cycles and hear what they have to say about just um, things that are relative to us, like empowerment in the doctor's office and being a, an advocate for ourselves and how to communicate our needs while also respecting the doctor's perspective. So there's that aspect of it, of like patient empowerment. And then also um, I wanted to do something for like people that I, I've been around online where we can learn, like I have friends who were like, who have been like, how do I start a podcast? And friends who, um, uh, new practitioners who are in like, uh, who are naturopathic doctors or Ayurvedic practitioners who also want to break into the online world, who have spent their time diving deep into their practice and putting as much energy into that. And then they come out of it and they're like, I I want to help people. How do I do it? But they weren't able to, you know, spend a bunch of time on social media like a lot of other people. So um, also that's the other aspect of it, being able to, these healthcare practitioners, professionals, and influencers being able to come together also and share like, this is how I gain these followers. This is how I, you know, translate, even not having, maybe not having a lot of followers, this is how I translate my my small community into actual clients because I'm building communication and reputability and, um, Oh, bye. Sorry. (laughs) And, um, and all that aspect. So that's kind of what wellness con is. And then the, the deeper intention within it is diversity and really connecting with and marketing to, and like focusing on women who are like myself, who are women of color in general and who, um, for example, just want to get into the wellness space, but all they see is kind of like the goop brand of it, kind of like the Lululemon brand of it. Um, And they don't necessarily feel heard or seen. And there's this beautiful sort of like subculture growing right now online where there's way more black girls who are creating things specifically for other black girls and who are talking about like, we have so much pressure in our community and our culture to take care of everybody. Let's take care of ourselves first and see what happens, you know? Um, so I could go on, but, but that's no, kind of like my general. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that it all started for you as a place of, of like curiosity and you kept opening like Pandora's box, like, what's that? Let me, let me keep exploring. And that's also kind of where I started it, but it was more like of a, I don't want to use the word selfish, but it was more like internally, I was searching for answers for myself. And then it opened up that box too. Like, wow, there's a whole other side to this that no one's talking about. 100%. People are talking about it more now, thank, thankfully, but yeah, it's, and then it's that piece of like, why is this information not available for more people? And particularly with diversity, like the, the specific differences between different cultures and, and backgrounds where, like you said, there's, there's different considerations. And, and it's interesting when you kind of dive into that, like each different group might need something, you know, yeah, of course, nutrition and self-care and all these things are important, but each different group might need something pretty specific to their own context. And that's really important too. 
Absolutely. Um, and just in so many different aspects. So you and I both know the, the importance of bioindividuality and how certain people respond to the latest superfood or the latest trending food different from other people. So there's some people who thrive with the ketogenic diet and there's some people who don't have a diet at all and they eat intuitively or they eat what their family ate and what their ancestors ate and they're chilling. They're good. Um, but the importance and the impact in, for practitioners also so in understanding that it's so important to listen more than talk sometimes with the clients to get to know what works for them um, is so important. And I know I have friends who are like, yeah, that sounds so dope, Alina. Like, yeah, like, um, for example, what's a good, like, uh, I'm trying to think of like a superfood or something. Like I've done videos on like turmeric or ginger or something like that. Or I think, I think it was like maybe chlorophyll. They're like, that sounds cool, Lena, but like, I don't got chlorophyll money. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's such, it, it can be such a reflection. That was my first introduction to it. Kind of like what you're saying where it's like, you guys should all try this and you should do that. And like, yeah. everybody should be vegan. Like I started there for a while and I realized um, on a personal level, but from a, a larger perspective that we are kind of in this culture right now in the wellness space also where it's like, oh, try this new superfood. Like yeah. we have this really expensive ashwagandha with like these other adaptogens that are like $60. And then there's people who like have a background in like Indian medicine and like that came from that. And they're like, I've been using ashwagandha my whole <laughs> life and like I can get it for $5 because it's not marked up. Um, and then there's also people who they've taken care of themselves and they found their, they found their own wellness and they didn't necessarily have to buy those expensive things. Right. So um, creating accessibility um, 100% is a big thing. So that's what I love about, for example, the group program that you have. Um, I feel like it's something that creates things that are more accessible for people. Maybe somebody can't necessarily afford a one-on-one, -on -one, but there can be a, a group program that they might be more open to doing and um, having those different tiers. So that's one thing, the accessibility. Mm -hmm. And then just making sure that other people feel welcome. You know, there's there's that aspect within health brands. We're seeing it a lot more, thankfully, with a lot of yoga brands I've noticed where there's different body types now yeah. a lot more. And a little bit, a little bit of it is pandering. And <laughs> it's like hard to kind of like sift through that. But I feel like a lot, a, a large portion of them genuinely are like, yeah, like this is kind of silly that we're only marketing to people of a certain type. And there's so many people who want to get healthy that they're starting from different points, or maybe they are already healthy and they just don't look like us and that's okay. You know, exactly. Um, but anyway, absolutely what you're saying. That's um, when it comes to diversity, there's so many aspects of it, but there's so much, it's just, it's almost like an unserved area that can produce such beautiful, so much, so much beautiful results for everybody. And I love that you're, you're helping to get those voices heard with wellness con because you're featuring these women who have different backgrounds and have diverse histories and perspectives and focuses that can now, you know, like you said, maybe they didn't know how to get out there or maybe they didn't know how to get their information heard, but you're providing a platform for them to create their own communities and foster their own brands and their own businesses, which is something outside of the wellness thing. Like that's really important too, just for practitioners to be able to reach more people and get their voices heard. Oh, absolutely. And something that, um, specifically that really stood out to me about wellness con this past year um because while i did while our our big um focus was like promoting diversity in the wellness space i really wanted to make sure that people everyone could felt comfortable enough to come you know um specifically i had some friends who straight up told me they were like i am white i have white clients and i really want to broaden what i'm doing but i don't know how and like and they wanted to come to learn the perspectives of other practitioners of color and people of color who were there talking about their experiences with their practitioners. And um, it was just so cool because when she was there, she raised her hand and would ask, like, I really want to do that. You know, I really want to work with more clients that are from different cultures and different backgrounds. How do I do that? And she was able to ask questions to other people and feel comfortable enough that we could have these conversations. Um, and yeah, absolutely. So it's, I'm, I'm very thankful for that, for sure. I'm very thankful for that, too, because something I always find frustrating, and I'm sure, you know, you've experienced this as well, is 
as a practitioner, as someone who's trying to build a business and a brand, there's a lot of messaging, like pick your niche, choose your ideal client. And I've even had exercises and I think they're great. I think they've been really helpful, especially, you know, for me and narrowing down what I want to talk about. But like, I've had exercises where it's like, make your ideal client and you have to pick her name and where she lives and what she does on the uh -huh. weekends and what shows she watches. And that's mm -hmm. cool. It's fun. It's great to, to mm -hmm. like envision that. But at the same time, like, I wonder like, are, is picking one specific niche and one specific type of person, is that blocking us from other people that need our help and other people that, you know, A, I can help, but can also help me. I've had so many different clients from different backgrounds and cultures, and I'm lucky to grow up in a very diverse community. And I feel like I'm learning. I learn from them too. And mm. is that blocking us? So in terms of like the practitioner, do you have any tips of like, you know, how we can create better awareness about diversity and potentially like serve a wider range of clients? Absolutely. Um, I just from hearing what you're saying, I, I totally, I totally get you in that perspective as well. Like growing up around different cultures and having that, that sort of separation. I'm sorry about the noise. It's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to wait until they pass. I'm uh, sorry. I just don't want it to be too loud. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, speaking into what you're saying about having that perspective, yeah, being around um, a diverse group of people and then having that sort of business mindset where that's kind of what every business does, right? Like creating their ideal clients, that, that model that they, they're marketing to to better do that. Um, and I would say that, there's nothing wrong with finding a niche. Um, I think that something, uh, something that really creates uniqueness in the online world and in whatever brand that you're making is speaking from what you know, and there is beauty to that. So um, I think that 100% that that is important and people should do that. Um, I think that something that could help is, for example, on social media, following more people who are serving different groups um, and learning from them because those are the people, especially if they're already like thought leaders in that space or if they're practitioners who are helping people, those are the people who have sat down and done research into how they can serve their communities. And a lot of times, I know for myself anyway, I shouldn't speak for other people, um, they're open to helping other people and like making sure that like the idea of being able to represent their community and like help other people, um, other practitioners and leaders understand. I feel like when you come from that space, a lot of times they're super open. Um, so there's that aspect of it. And then um, also in those models of your ideal clients, um, having one or two where you try to learn about um, what their background is like what do people um for example an african-american girl in her 20s who's in college like what kind of tv shows do they watch and um sometimes it can be a little bit harder depending on what your niche is and if you don't necessarily like you know know what their background is but taking time to learn about that um it's just wild how fruitful it can truly be because the moment somebody feels heard the moment somebody feels like wow, I really was thinking that. Um, it just, you feel so affirmed and you feel a lot more connected with that person. So um, I feel like it's something that can be hard at first, especially if you don't come from that culture. Um, but doing that research, I feel like can be very fruitful. Um, and yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, I know that for me, um, especially if you're, and if whoever's listening is not following wellness cons on Instagram, you feature a lot of amazing practitioners from all different backgrounds. And I swear every time you post somebody and I see something that they read, I'm like, I have to follow this person. Like, why did, why don't I not know about them? And I, I oh. did so many, you know, so much of my own, you know, information intake just from learning from so many of the women that you feature and that have been actually at the conference. I hope one day I, I can, I can go <laughs> myself. Oh. Totally, man. Yeah. I know it's in, you're out in LA, is that right? Yes. yes. Awesome. Yeah. And um, when is your next one? Do you have plans? Like what's the future of Wellness Con? Oh, like? totally. Um, yeah. So our next, our next planned event um, is going to be in June, either June or July of 2020. Um, and that will be our second gathering, our second conference. The last one that we had was this past June. And um, our general plans are to basically double down on what has worked for us and really just 
stay connected with our community online um, and really make sure that I want to do a lot more surveys and a lot more interaction with everybody on Instagram and start right now asking like, what do you want to see more of? What did you like? What did you didn't like? What you didn't, what did you not like? Um, and really get a feel for how we can better serve them. And then something that, um, something that I really want to dive deeper into is really focusing and catering more towards the practitioners and the, um, wellness professionals. And I really, um, there's so many things I feel like I'm, I've, I've always said, I'm so thankful that I found wellness con and that I, that I was able to materialize it and all that stuff because my brain is like, it goes everywhere. And I yeah. think it's because I'm Gemini or something, but like, I just, I have all these ideas and thankfully at a conference, you can kind of do a lot of them, like hopefully a little bit. And so one of the other things that I want to do is, um, I really want it to be a space where we push brown boundaries in the wellness space, like where we talk about them, even if it's controversial, but like the new types of the new supplements and the new practices and the new, um, the new methods that um, people, that practitioners and professionals are looking into. So for example, CBD was controversial a few years ago yeah. and in that they was controversial to the larger sort of, um, the larger sort of media and the larger uh, community that is the US because we didn't have the education on the incredible benefits of it. And, but I want, and so I want to have like, uh, you know, panels and talks about things like that. For example, right now, psilocybin is in the news um, and that's from magic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And people hear the term magic mushrooms and they're like, whoa, hippies, drugs, like that sounds crazy. But if we do a talk about it, hopefully, and maybe we can record it and do a podcast and like really shed light on these things, um, hopefully it can be a place where practitioners and professionals can come together and learn about these new things and feel more comfortable about it and maybe not take it on, but, um, right. yeah, for it to be that space. And that all comes back to the educational piece. I think, um, you know, when it comes, especially when it comes to health and wellness, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of, you know, relying and trusting on the media and the news. You hear one study about, you know, one study or one article or a news segment saying like, this is bad. Don't do it without really learning the impacts of it, the background of it, what it can be used for, how to use it safely, who do you, you know, who it's, it's best used for, et cetera. And then, yeah, you make your own decision. It comes with everything, even just basic nutrition education. I'm sure, you know, it's like, here's, here's what I know is beneficial and a healthful diet. And these are healthful foods, but Hey, you might not like this thing, or you might not, you know, have access to it or whatever. It's all just about education first and then you get to decide but without that piece there, there's no empowerment you have no way to, to make a decision for yourself if you just are listening to what everybody else is kind of telling you is good and bad oh absolutely 100 and i think that that's also why i love like the um, nutritional therapy association and the program that we went through because that's where i truly learned all the nuances of medical studies and how it's so easy for these huge corporations who want everybody to start uh, like swapping from fats to sugar to create all of these um, studies and saying like, oh, fat is bad. It's going to kill you and cholesterol will kill you and all these things. And in reality, who funded them? <laughs> there were these Nestle companies. There were these huge corporations. <laughs> yeah. And these are things that I wouldn't have learned, you know, if I didn't do that research. And so that's why it's important to have leaders out there that can help people about it. Leaders like ourselves who've learned about that and can help people differentiate because without that empowerment of, yeah, like you're saying that knowledge, we can be led astray so easily, specifically yeah. in the nutrition world. Oh yeah. And I, I love studies. I love research. A, a lot of my master's degree was like diving into research articles and like learning how to read them and how to summarize them. And they're great. And I love finding articles that have such powerful information, but at the same time, you always have to look at like who funded that. I remember a few years ago, there was that big, um, big media push about coconut oil being like really harmful because of this one study. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. Oh was, yeah. I mean, everyone was talking about it. I had clients like emailing me in panic, like, Oh my gosh, you told me to eat coconut oil and now it's so bad. Like people were scared. And then you scroll to the bottom and I think it was funded by like some canola oil company or something. So you uh. have to look at, like you were talking in the beginning, like there's a lot of, 
I forget the word you used exactly, but there's a lot of, to it. There's so much detail exactly. and like that goes into a study. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And monetary gain and influence that. Yeah, sure. Of course, the canola oil company is going to tell you coconut oil is bad because they want you using canola oil. Not coconut oil. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I remember specifically. Yeah. Like that was, that was actually one of the things that made me really want to go into the nutritional therapy practitioner program when I was in my bachelor's studying nutrition was that I had professors. I remember actually being in class with um, a nutrition professor who was in healthcare administration. Like he helped run a local hospital in the area where my university was. And I, he talked about coconut oil and how it was not, it was detrimental to the body and it, it had all this saturated fat and like, you know, all this crazy stuff that can like clog your arteries. And that's, and basically, um, putting it in the same category of this, the same negative ideas that we've always had about like animal fats, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I remember raising my hand and explaining to him like, no, actually like this is what it is. And there's a lot of studies that are biased. Like I remember saying that and he was like, okay, like that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing kind of. And then we had to do a paper um, where we kind of prove a, a point, something within nutrition. And my whole paper was on coconut oil. And I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. And I ended up getting a Really good grade on it and I felt so like proud and happy um but then at the same time a few months later I had a friend who was a dietitian who was like no coconut oil is the devil you know mm -hmm. and I was just I felt kind of discouraged because it they felt like representations of um the current state of the uh, the dietary association in the U.S. and how all of them are very well-meaning but a lot of times um even they can fall prey to you know this biased research yeah. so um being yeah being around people and practitioners who really value looking into the studies and where they they're sourced that can be that can be a huge defining factor in their practice in and of itself um obviously it's hard to do because we get busy but you get my point yeah yeah 100 percent. and even the bio, like the bio individuality aspect of it with coconut oil yeah for some people in the population like that might be problematic for them or somebody who has a coconut intolerance like that might be problematic for them and there really is no one answer for everyone but that is where that education and those you know like you said those practitioners and those leaders that can help you decipher that information and apply it to your own life that becomes so important that's so true. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It's just, that's the thing too about like the deeper you dive into nutrition, like the more you learn about all the detail there is because there is no one like that's healthy and that's it. Because like yeah. you said, the bioindividuality, even within the, the beauty world, um, I personally love it for my skin, but I've, and I've, but I've done videos and I've had so many comments that are like, oh, it's actually comedogenic and it actually can clog your pores and I got acne. And like, I would have to like comment like, okay, that's true. And like, I'm sorry about that, but it, it works for my skin. And that's, you know, I was just talking about what helped for me, but that's such a good point that, you know, at the end of the day, some people would definitely don't respond to it well, but, and so like, but clinging on to an idea of like, no, it's good or no, it's bad is especially with a nutrition, not, not the best. Yeah. Shy away from anything that's telling you like one, you know, that black and white one-sided, very specific answer. Yeah. Tough. Um, all right. Great. Well, I want to talk about the community aspect too, um, because you're so big on it and part of wellness con and everything that you talk about is, is fostering this community. So Let's dive a little bit into that in terms of, um, you know, why, why is community so important when you're on a health and wellness journey, whether you're just starting out or maybe you're a practitioner yourself, like where does that importance stem from? Um, I would say that, that the importance stems from the fact that we as humans are a community, we're community-based <laughs> organisms, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, when we look at, you know, the Paleolithic times, when we look at um, what our ancestors did with our communities and how we came together and supported one another, like it takes a village to raise a child. And, you know, the, um, the aspect of community and protecting one another, that inherent psychological importance to us from the ego of wanting to be accepted and wanting to be liked by others that um, scientists have always 
I bet it stems from us inherently wanting to make sure that we're in with the group. That way, if a predator comes, we're protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, when I was in university, I thankfully I was able to do a TED talk and or a TEDx speech, and I talked about community and I did a lot of research into the psychology of it. And I was looking specifically at China and at. Um, I believe it was, wow, I'm forgetting now. It was, I believe, Russia and the Netherlands um, and how in both of those areas, um, the community aspect of health is just so inherent. So for example, in China, uh, for uh, many of their cities, you can walk into the average park and you'll see people doing Tai Chi as a community. You'll see people doing yoga as a community. And you can literally, a lot of them just walk in and join them. And I remember learning about that and how it's just, normalized. It's a healthy behavior. It's a healthy practice. That's just, it's not like, oh, those are the health people or those are, you know, the, the yoga, um, granola fanatics over there. It was just, no, we all know that it's important to move. And so we're doing it. And that's kind of it. And I just, um, I learned about that preventative aspect of it and how, um, the the medical systems there they really support it um and also their businesses really support it sometimes not for the best reasons china is not perfect whatsoever in a lot of different ways but um that was very interesting how they implemented that and then in certain european countries i also learned that um there's so many communities where they ride their bicycles everywhere they ride their bicycles to work to get groceries to visit friends and it's not a thing where they're like i need to exercise this is my exercise it's just something that they understand is healthy and also just environmentally friendly and it's a part of the community and so um learning about that and being able to talk about the psychological impact there is of normalizing behaviors that help us. Um, It also speaks into going into what we do in the U.S. that's very common, which is a workout buddy. Having that accountability there, having that friend that you can, after the workout, be like, man, that was hard. Like, I don't know if I want to do that one workout again. And being able to process our experiences and not feel alone and feel like, okay, I got to show up because my other friend's showing up. And like, we said that we were going to do this together. Um, And so there's uh, just looking at those those beneficial aspects to community. I just always thought that was really awesome. And then um, kind of juxtaposed to that, looking at our culture in the US, um, because we're kind of categorized as like, that's the health and wellness world. And those are the people who care about nutrition, the people who care about food. And it's very easy for us to be stereotyped also Mm -hmm. as like the people who are like, everybody should go vegan. And if you don't, then you're a murderer and blah, 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 you know. And so having that it's easier for us to, when we hear people talk about health and nutrition, think like, okay, well, they're this and they're that, rather than yeah. seeing somebody and having it being normalized, like, okay, they care about their health and that's awesome. Cool. Um, so anyway, uh, going into what I learned about the psychological impact of community in that aspect, I just thought it was, I always thought that was beautiful. And I just always love the idea of being able to interview and uplift and what you're doing here, um, interview and uplift people who are in the wellness space and hearing their unique perspectives, not only for me selfishly to learn from, but for the greater community who are also curious. Um, and so that's what, um, that's really where I found the value in that 100%. And, you know, online, I feel like the internet is such a gift. 100%. We get to connect in ways like I, I seriously don't know if I would be a new in nutrition if there wasn't the internet. And if I wasn't able to watch the documentaries that I watched and then find communities of like-minded people so easily. Um, so that's, so yeah, that's one of the other things. And then my last um, sort of like example and reasoning that I have for anybody who maybe has a Christian background. Um, growing up, I grew up in the Christian church and we had the Daniel diet. Have you heard of that before? Yes, but I don't know much about it, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I, I generally speaking, the Daniel diet is, um, it's this focus on, um, Daniel. He was one of, um, he was a main, (laughs) I sound so like general about it. I'm not like, I, I don't know, uh, like the deeper, 
story behind it, I guess. Or I do, I don't know the, the specific biblical story of Daniel, but I do know that there was a story in the Bible involving um, a follower of Jesus Christ named Daniel, who basically um, he wanted to take a time to like pray and meditate and kind of like show God that, you know, this is like that, you know, I'm asking you of this of you and I'm so committed to you. And I want to like, make sure that my body is clear and all this stuff. And I'm, uh, I just want to like preface this and say, I'm not promoting Christianity or anything like that. Like if you want to be Christian, do you like do it totally. But if you don't <laughs> go for it, you know, I just want to preface that, but just looking at it from almost like an anthropological perspective, the impact that the Daniel diet has had in the Christian communities that use it has been wild. Like it, I highly recommend you look into it, but basically yeah, what churches do. Yeah. Like what churches do is usually once a year, they go on a Daniel diet where they essentially all go plant-based and like, I'd say 95% vegan, but they don't give it that name. And they look to their, you know, historical scriptures really. And they're like, what, what's their, um, and they, and they look at what he ate and they kind of have that perspective. Like, this is our time of meditation. This is our time of going inward and focusing on what makes us happy and what we can do more spiritually and kind of take away the other distractions. Um, and, but it's just so fascinating how so many people stick with it because they have their Bible studies they go to once a week where their friends and family are able to come together and say, Hey, I actually tried this recipe and it it was actually delicious. And Hey, like my, you know, my grandmother who really wants to do the diet, she had this experience and you know, this is how we're supporting her. And she still eats this because she needs it, but she also, you know, so like getting into the details of it, being able to confide in one another, being able to um, learn from one another on a personable level and not just like this leader who's like, yeah, okay, this is what you do, but they don't necessarily feel like, you know, they can relate. So having that. So anyway, all that to say, like growing up, it was just so fascinating seeing people who were like steak, meat, barbecue, you know, um, bacon, which is totally fine. But like seeing those types of people um, totally go plant-based and were actually able to sustain it because they were around people in their family and their communities who were also doing it. And Yeah. So, um, that's something that's really stuck with me and it's been such an example of the impact that community can have for sure. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a powerful example of, of so many different things. I think one thing I'm very, very passionate about is the aspect, the social aspects of food. And I get a lot of women who struggle with that. They're like, I want to eat a certain way, but you know, what do I do when I go to a family gathering or a holiday or things like that? And it, it does just reaffirm that, that, thousands and thousands of years ago, food and community were still closely connected, very mm. closely connected. And even, you know, religion and spirituality and food mm. on top of the whole aspect of community. I think that's why things like Whole30 work really well and like these paleo, like the whole life challenge and um, these, these programs, you know, I'm sure, I don't know, Daniel Atley said is plant-based, but just another example of like following something and having a community of people doing it with you, Mm. how much more success comes out of that and people can find what works for them, but you do have people to bounce ideas back off of. You do have that accountability aspect instead of taking something on yourself and feeling really alone. And then, yeah, not being able to navigate like a holiday or a weekend with other people because you feel so alone in what you're doing. Mm. Absolutely. Definitely. And what, yeah, exactly what you're bringing up too, like the holidays. Um, I feel like we don't, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) I don't know, but I just feel like we don't give one another enough credit, especially anybody who's trying to eat differently or um, take initiative in their health, because especially in the U.S., like you drive like around any block and there's a McDonald's or there's some type of fast food or a diner or something where there's temptation and there's this like sort of like push, like treat yourself, like do this. And we should. But when you're surrounded by these things, um, even commercials, I remember learning that statistically um, we're more likely to overeat uh, people who don't have streaming services, like people who have um, traditional like cable where they're Mm -hmm. exposed to commercials and they can't necessarily fast forward it or skip through it because of that exposure to these marketing tactics of like these juicy burgers and like this just glossy, like all this stuff, which in moderation and for certain people and depending on like the sources of the meat, totally fine. 
but you know, the processed aspect of it, the high sodium, the high sugar to get people to buy it. And that exposure can impact us. So 100% what you're saying, like being able to be around people who, yeah, you can have, you can create your own little culture within and you can have that space can support us when we go out into the world and we're exposed to those temptations. Yeah. And what are some ways that, you know, and it doesn't have to be nutrition specific, clearly, it can be anything in the wellness space, like you said, yoga or Tai Chi or meditation or whatever. How, how are some ways that people can find that community if they're if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I feel really alone in what I'm doing. Maybe the people in my life don't understand. And that's super common. Like my family doesn't support me. My friends don't want to do the same things I want to do. Like, what are some ways that people can try to find and foster that community for themselves? Um, I would say there's two groups. There's the internet realm to find it and then like the physical world to find it. Um, I'd say like in the physical world, if you can afford a gym membership um, and like going to classes, I feel like there is a sense of community in the classes for sure. Um, maybe not, you maybe you're not necessarily with all the same people every class, but being around other people who are like working their butts off and struggling too. Like I know for me, I feel like, okay, I'm not alone here, you know? Um, so there's that aspect of it. And, um, but I do recognize that I'm slightly more, I'm like an ambivert. So I'm a little bit of introvert and extrovert, but that extrovert side of me makes it a little bit easier. So mm -hmm. I recognize that if you're introverted, that can be a little bit hard. So don't be hard on yourself if it's harder to transition to that. So that there's that. And then also there a uh, meetup, meetup.com. Um, there's meetup.com and then there's Eventbrite. There's a lot of websites now where there are community gatherings everywhere from like full moon rituals for women to, um, for example, just the other day, I live in Pasadena in California, and I just learned that there's a group called Pasadena Pacers, where they're a running group. And I have a friend who was in it, and I was like, man, that looks so fun, but I run so slow. Like, and she was like, no, they're super accepting of everybody of every pace. And um, just being able to find something like that, where they're accepting of like, you know, people who aren't like the fastest runners. Um, and I found that through Instagram. So there's a physical world of that, like basically using the internet to find places in the real world. Um, so I would say Instagram using hashtags mm -hmm. um, specific to what you want. Like there's so many hashtags now you could type in a very specific one and you might find something like typing in your city and then running your city and then um, whatever keyword, what you might want to be looking for. Um, and there's that aspect. And then online, um, nutrition programs like yours, um, investing in something like that where you're around other people and prioritizing that over one-on-one -on -one can play a big role as well. Um, and then also being part, being a part of, um, different communities within, uh, so for example, there was this a podcast that I would listen to all the time called Black Girl and Ohm. And it was focused on just black girls finding balance in their lives. And I always listened to it, but I never interacted with them. Mm -hmm. And then I learned that they had a Facebook page. And yeah. it was all these women who were like, just talking about like, hey, like the last topic that they that they covered was on financial wellness and, you know, building your credit. Here's this really cool link that I found. And Facebook, um, well, Facebook has plenty of flaws that, you know, when it comes <laughs> to privacy and like, oh my gosh, I feel like they're so good at fostering community um, yes. when it's done right. And I, um, and so basically if you have a podcast or a YouTube channel or even an Instagram or a blog that you genuinely enjoy, see if they have a Facebook group, see if they have some type of community group, because it's so cool being around people who are also interested in it and you get to geek out. Um, and that can also foster that social aspect of it, especially if you're an introvert or anybody who's like, oh, I don't want to like, like, it's a little bit harder to directly speak with people. Um, it can be a bit easier to message somebody on Facebook and be like, hey, I like that post. Like, have you heard of this? And creating those online um, connections. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Facebook groups for that reason, definitely. I mean, we have ours, um, we have our Balanced Babes community where, again, it's like people, women that are talking about women's health-related topics. And um, mm. I also, some of the favorite, my favorite communities that I'm in online are, are podcast-specific or um, I follow a specific online workout program and there's an amazing community. And it's, it's great because for that specifically, it's like everyone's there because they're interested in working out and moving their bodies, et cetera. But you also get exposure to a lot of, you know, that brings a lot of diverse people together too. So oh, definitely. Different perspectives, even though you have like one or two common interests, 
which I find to be really cool. So yeah, I agree. If there's a podcast or a YouTube or even someone you follow, I know that a lot of um, influencers um, on Instagram will have their own just like separate groups. Like here's all the stuff I talk about and what I promote. Like now here's a group where we can all chat about it together. And that's powerful. Oh, it's so powerful. Definitely. Yeah. I, it's so interesting too, because as you were saying that it, it made me think about how, you know, we have these smaller groups and communities where it's like, Oh, look, those are the hipsters. Those are, those are the goth people. Those are this and that, but they are so strong in like what they care about and how they look because they have friends who are like-minded that they go to and that they get to talk about it with. And that's what fosters the uniqueness of within their community because they go back to that where they're affirmed and they get to relate to one another. And so using that same psychology, just like what you're saying, like in the health world and with what you want to do can definitely play a huge role. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's important to bring these things up with you know, your, your family and your groups of friends, because no, your goal never is to like change someone's mind or change someone, you know, what they believe in, but you never know what might come up of asking a family member to, you know, Hey, like I've been going to yoga every Sunday. Do you want to come with me one day? Or do you want to, you know, try this or, or, Hey, I I read this really great book or this, listen to this podcast. I share podcast episodes all the time with people (laughs) like, hey, here's a topic, thought you might like it. And then you never know what might come of that. And, and just sharing that because there is an aspect of, I think our society where we are very close-minded. And I love when someone shares something with me that I haven't really thought of. And I think that can just be another step to like building a community, especially in your own like real, real life because the internet's amazing. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. But I think you can agree that you can't replace the in-person connections. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's very hard to do for sure. Um, there's, there's, I feel like there's definitely a higher level of accountability knowing that somebody's physically waiting for you, <laughs> like to go to the yoga class with you, then, um, you know, something online where like, oh yeah, we're going to have a meeting at this time. And I mean, I've definitely shown up for those things a vast majority of the time, but there is, and, and that's a reflection of the fact that, yeah, we're human beings in the physical plane, you know, like the internet is still relatively new, even though I feel like we're both, you know, we both basically grew up with it. Like it's yeah. kind of like, I have vague memories of like before <laughs> social media was created a little bit, but like, it's something that we're deeply immersed in, but it's definitely 100% very new. And our, literally our brains are still evolving um, outside of the internet. And now it's changing almost to like yes. be able to function with it in good ways, but also in bad ways. So, yeah. um, exactly what you're saying, like looking at the, what's going on in the physical world, I feel like that can play a, have a huge impact. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. I agree. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, we're coming up towards the end of, of this already. And I can't, oh, man. these, the, the interviews just fly. They go too fast. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to know if there's any resources that you have, whether it's, you know, maybe books or specific accounts to follow. I know we're going to link your account and Wellness Con and your YouTube channel, which has a ton of information. But are there any other resources that you recommend for people um, in terms of finding these communities or learning more about diversity or expanding their own horizons? Um, let's see. Man. Well, when it comes to... When it comes to finding community, I mean, I feel like this is probably definitely like overkill or counterintuitive or I don't know, but definitely balance babes. Like I really love what you're doing. (laughs) I really do. I think that it's so important and it's just like such a cool community that's like chill. It's not like you guys need to do this. It's very based off of like, here's this cool information. Like we get in the people who are attracted to it are people who are curious. So you around curious people, Um, but definitely something like that. Um, yeah, wellness con, all that stuff. Um, uh, let's see, you know, there is this, um, this doctor, her name is Dr. Jess Pietros Mm -hmm. and, um, she's a, um, functional medicine practitioner. And I just really love how she educates people on like herbal medicine and on like health in general. And I feel like she's very rooted in like community. Um, and I really learn a lot from her and something I like about her too, is that like, she works with everybody, you know? Um, so there's that. And then, oh, 
um, okay. There's this podcast called Balance Black Girl Podcast, mm-hmm. and obviously it says Black Girl in it. Um, so you you know it's like catered towards us, uh, you know, Black girls. But I feel like everybody could learn from it. Like it's just yes. such a great space where it's like you're learning about health and wellness and balance, um, but you're also learning about the Black girl perspective. And while not, but you're not like kind of excluded if you aren't a Black girl. You know if that makes sense. So it's kind of like you're getting your dose of like health information while also being exposed to a different culture, which is good and it's entertaining. So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. You're just getting a different perspective, which is important. And it's like, if you're, if you're looking for that information anyway, why not just seek out people with different backgrounds who are giving that information to get different perspectives. So awesome. I'll definitely link to all of those things. And I think you also brought up a, a good point before, um, about like communities, especially online communities. I know myself, I've joined, like there might be somebody I'm following or podcast I'm listening to, and then I join that community and it feels judgmental or it feels like one-sided. It's like, you don't have to stay there then. <laughs> like find somewhere yes. that whether it's health and wellness or not, like find somewhere where you feel accepted and you feel heard and you feel like your opinion and your experience is valid too. And you're not going to be judged for asking a specific question because I know that that's happened to me a lot, a lot. And it's one thing to be, you know, passionate about a, a specific topic and versus like judging people who aren't. So yeah. Also something really important, but yeah, I will link to all of those um, accounts and also um, the, the meetup and the Eventbrite that you talked about. Cause I think we forget about those things. I've used Eventbrite for events when I've hosted like talks and stuff, but I never really think to go on there and look. Mm. Sometimes I'll even go on um, Facebook and look at events in my community, like what's coming up over the next few months Mm -hmm. and see like, there's always, especially when you have specific interests on Facebook, like if you like specific health and wellness accounts, sometimes you'll get those events like tailored to those things. And you can see like, yeah, there is a a moon circle coming up at the next full moon, or there is uh, an outdoor yoga class or something like that. So that's something also uh, that's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. All right. Well, before we leave, before we finish up, um, is there anything else that you want people to know? Mm-hmm. Things that are coming up for you. Um, obviously, Wellness Con is is coming up in June, July. But anything else that is going on with you? Um, yeah, I I would say definitely with Wellness Con, following us on Instagram is a great way to stay updated on like and also just get yeah up, updates. And then if you want to sign up for the newsletter, we um, will let you know like you'd be the first person basically to learn about like discounts and like early bird tickets and stuff like that because we're really big on that especially because the second year we want to make sure that the people who came the first year and who are like you know tight with us before we do like the bigger sort of outreach like those og people get you know the the sales and all that good stuff but um so with wellnesscon and then i also i have the youtube channel and that's alina alive on youtube um and that's something that with wellnesscon i was focusing so much on that and now i'm diving back deeper into it and then the last thing that I'm working on right now is actually a planner and it's, um, it's a planner and a food and mood journal that are going to be coming out at the same time. And, um, it's called the aligned life planner and food and mood journal. And it's focused not just on getting yourself organized for the year, but it's also going to have, um, sections for if you're into astrology, um, looking at the, basically getting aligned with the stars and the season. So there, every season you're going to get a list of all the seasonal foods that way you can like plan your groceries, right? Um, and then every full moon and new moon, there's sections where you can reflect on the things that you've been doing in the planner. And then the food and mood journal is just an in-depth food and mood journal focused mainly on self-care. And for anybody who might be doing an elimination diet or um, doing any type of shift in their eating where they want to kind of like see like, am I sensitive to this food? Um, being able to write that down and track that can have such, can play such a huge role, especially with the accessibility because we can easily get blood tests, but it can be hard sometimes to get those deeper blood tests to see what exactly you're sensitive to. And an elimination diet where you're just tracking how your body responds to things is something that's so tried and true. It's been in our lives for so long. And, um, and yeah, so if you're interested in any of that, I'll probably be talking about it on my YouTube channel or Instagram, and you can find both of those if you just look up Alina Alive. Awesome. And we'll link to all of your accounts and, and everywhere that people can find you. I'm excited about that journal because yeah. I find, I'm so obsessed with like seasonal changes and, and our cyclical changes and even like food and mood, how that relates to like just seeing 
how my mood is different in winter versus spring and you know what my diet is how my diet's changing and yeah energy, like all of, I'm obsessed with it all and I think that is accessible to everyone especially women we live in these cycles it's accessible to learn about your body and it's going to be different from you know your friends your your sisters whatever but that is something that is really important is just getting in tune so you'll have to update us when that's available I'll have to get my hands on that <laughs> Totally. Oh my goodness. I will send you one for sure. And like, we, it's a whole podcast interview in and of itself, I guess, but definitely speaking to what you said, like even seasons wise, like it's so crazy. For example, just one thing, the cold and flu season, it's so wild how our behavior of going inside, lowering our, uh, our sun exposure and the B vitamins that happen with that and being able to be conscious of these like inherent things that we do that we don't necessarily need to do yet in the fall. We need to wait till winter to do and like all this stuff that can play such a huge role too. So yeah, exactly what you're saying. That's really important. More avenues to dive, <laughs> to dive yeah, deeper totally. into. <laughs> well, thank you so, so, so very much for starting this conversation. I hope that anyone listening to this is inspired to go out there and if they don't already have a community, find one, build one, learn more different backgrounds. I mean, I think that there's importance in all of this and it's a broader conversation, whether it's health or fit, health and fitness and nutrition or not, it's important to just find that community and find that place where you feel like you can grow and be yourself and, you know, share your experiences and learn from other people. So I'm so happy that you are making this more accessible. My other one last question for those that can't get to Wellness Con, do you plan to do any type of like video recordings or um, like live streams or anything like that? Absolutely. That is one of our bigger goals. Uh, the first year, because it was the first year, we didn't have the resources for it, but that is one of our biggest goals to create some type of yeah resource where we can at least record the audio or yeah. uh, record the video. So I definitely think uh, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, totally, but Instagram is a great way to stay notified because hopefully this next year we'll be able to do that. Um, that would be amazing. Thank you for asking about that. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see where Wellness Con goes because I, I just I, know, I see your vision, or at least the tip of the iceberg of your vision, and I know it's <laughs> going to continue to grow. And I'm really excited to to see where it all where it all goes. So, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That's I'm, I really appreciate this, and you're just so, such a sweet person. I I respect you so much, like the resources you put out. And so when you invited me, I was like, man, of all podcasts, like I really enjoy what you put out. Oh my god, I appreciate that so much. It's it's so nice to hear, you know, validation from people who are following you and learning from you, but like especially from other practitioners because I think it can be a competitive space. It can feel like a lonely space, but the collaboration aspect for practitioners is so important as well. I love doing these things with other practitioners because yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful information for women who are listening, but like I get to learn from it too. So selfishly, it's awesome to just connect and collaborate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the way you do it too. I feel like there's, there's such a creative way that you do it. And so, yeah, from my perspective of practitioner, I'm like, I love how like the creativity of it. And it's just, to me, it's very apparent that you are very genuinely very passionate about what you are putting out. Like when you research it, I can tell that you're like, this is freaking crazy. Like I got to share, you know? So anyway. Thank you. Well, we'll have to do more together. We'll have to collaborate on some other things. I see a lot. I see a lot in our future. It's, it's exciting. But again, thank you so much for being here. Um, everyone who's listening, check the show notes for all of the things that Alina discussed, where to follow her. Definitely do that. Uh, make sure that you're following the podcast on Instagram. We're at Balanced Babes Podcast. If you're not in our Balanced Babes community, especially if you're looking for a community of like-minded people, if you enjoy what you hear on this podcast, join us there. And you can follow me personally at Root and Branch Nutrition, chatting about all things women's health and hormones and periods and all the fun stuff. So thank you all for being here. And uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>